Welcome and thanks for joining me for another episode of On a Different Note. This is episode 160 and on behalf of myself and my co-host Bob Hughes, I'd like to welcome you. We have a really, really great show lined up for today. We have with us members of the Willis clan. Uh, We are really excited and, and thankful that they were able to take the time today to be on the show and to talk about their experiences. They have an absolutely amazing story. They're an amazing and unbelievably talented family. I have never seen so many people in one family that are so good looking and have so much talent. It's unbelievable. So we're very excited to have them with us today. Uh, as you know, those of you who have um, you know subscribed and tuned into this program on a regular basis, this is our new program where we talk a little bit about the music industry and, and what lessons we can learn as business people and entrepreneurs from those people involved in the real cutthroat business of music and how so many of the people that we've talked to have just made such a mark for themselves, you know, going an alternate route and doing things morally and ethically. And, and that really, I think, signifies what the Willis clan is about. So uh, I'd like to welcome them to the show. I believe we have Brenda. Brenda, how are you today? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Thanks for so much for having us on the show. Well, thank you very, very much. I know you guys are busy. You're touring. You've got so much going on. You have the TLC show. There's so much that you're doing. And, and for you to take the time today to be on this program, uh, it really, really means a lot to us. Um, I believe we have, we have your husband, Toby, too? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Hey, Toby. How are you? Hey, good morning, Toby. I'm doing just fine. Good. All right. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about what this business model of yours is because it's an unbelievable business model. I'm lucky if I can get my kids to cooperate in the car for 15 minutes and you have a family of 12 kids and you're running a business because that's really what it is. And you're, you're just so successful. And you know, the way that uh, you are, are portrayed on, on the TLC show, it, it seems so genuine and real. And from what I've read about you, it seems like you guys, that's what you are. What you see is what you get. And I want to talk to you a little bit about this this business that you've set up. You know, what is it like being a family business in the music industry? Well, this is, this is Toby. We're, it's actually very common for a lot of families, you know, to, in, in the music industry, what should I say, a lot of people in the music industry to be family and so on, because it's very easy once the instruments are bought, they're in the house, and kids have access to them. You know, how many kids would be great musicians who just simply never got to touch an instrument? Um, so it's, it's actually not, you know, that uncommon. Um, you know, what is uncommon about us, I think, is the fact that technology has changed. And uh, rather than the traditional music teacher route, you know, my kids are learning from YouTube, from people I don't even know who, you know, who, who's teaching them. But they have access to CDs on, you know, music online and stuff, and um, they have access to a studio at a very young age. I mean, you just take a simple iPad, and you have more power than I had when I was a college student. And uh, so, you know, in a sense, the, the the wildness of the education and the the uh, the the advanced 
technology that they have access to leads to a very uh, uh, different product in the end. Well, good morning, Toby. This is Bob. That's that's an interesting story because it's it's not something that everyone gets a chance to understand. And when you talk about a family business, when did you know? I we we know a little bit about your backstory and, and how you you overcame some tragedy. Did the did you starting a family business based on something your kids love evolve out of uh, out of that tragedy? What, what where did that idea come from? The idea, uh, you know, it's funny. Somebody asked me that about five days ago, and I said uh, before I was married. <laughs> Uh, you know, and that's why I married a girl who, who did music and, uh, you know, who had a love for music like I did. And uh, now our kids have far surpassed us. But, um, you know, there was there was a, uh, you know, before we were married, uh, you know, that was part of the equation is picking somebody who liked music. We had a conversation before we got married and said we'd go, you know, we try for 12 kids. Um, you know, we've learned a lot and had to grow into that role. Uh, the funny thing is the guy who really started the whole business management movement was a guy, uh, the husband and wife of 12 children. And uh, the original Cheaper by the Dozen movie and book were written about them. So there's a strong connection between business management and uh, having a large family. <laughs> <laughs> it trains you well. You either go nuts or you get good. One of the two. <laughs> well, here's a question for you. You would in a traditional business model you'd have employees now you don't have employees you have an army of children how do you manage the kids because you know managing an employee is completely different than managing your family member but i would imagine you're going to have to put on a different hat when you're in the studio or doing recording how do you manage that role well that's a that's a very interesting dynamic that we are still uncovering for one i can't fire my employee when they do a bad job. As a matter of fact, we were discussing this last night because um, I can't tell you this officially, but there may be some future episodes um, for TLC, but we were just discussing this, what an interesting episode it would make. Um, Toby, uh, the role that he has to play and, and, and the multiple roles that he has to play, how hard does he push the kids? Is it too hard? Is it not enough? Does he, you know, how does he pursue um, helping them reach their full potential, and then our family business as, a, as its full potential. So, yeah, that's a question that's being asked and that we, we hope to continue to explore. And, and one thing that I, that I want to make sure that, that people understand, when the kids are young, I'm the king of the castle. I'm the dictator. I'm the guy. I'm the boss. As they get older, it's a partnership. I don't know. You know, I still have a lot of weight to throw around because I still have a lot of little kids, and in a sense, I represent a majority, so to speak, a, a majority stockholder, if you can imagine. But uh, it becomes much more of a partnership. And eventually, you know, I had to go to my kids and say, look, I, you know, because of our financial situation, I don't have to work. The reason why I work is I work for you. And, and I'm not the boss as much as I am the employee of you guys. And that we're here to try to set you guys up for life. Again, not just up for a job and money, but set you guys up for a life um, where, yes, you do have income, and you do have a nice job, but you like your life. I, you know, you just, uh, I want them to wake up in the morning and say, I get to do great things and have a lot of fun. Not as that's the goal of what we do, but it's a, it's a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty good byproduct of uh, the hard work and the, and I try to say the smart work that we try to do. Well, I think you, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you said something that just for me just hits, hits home. If you don't love what you do, what's the point of doing it? And to be able to, 
really have a lot of passion and love for what you do. That's it's got to be an amazing feeling to wake up every day and love what you do. And what's interesting dynamic is, and we talked about this some even yesterday with the kids and, you know, I mean, at one point, Jesse came to me and said, Dad, I don't want to be the lead singer. Jesse's my oldest daughter who's here. Mm-hmm. And uh, said she didn't want to be the lead singer of the band or didn't want to play fiddle. And I came back and said, no, I want you to. At one point, I had to go to my son who was playing nylon guitar and saying, I want you to learn electric guitar. And he's like, you know, 17 years old, 18 years old, going, Dad, I don't want to play electric guitar. I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> you know, now now they look back and say, gee, thanks. You know, it was, yeah, really strange. My, I'm trying to convince my teenage son to play electric guitar. Um, but it, it's just, um, you know, they didn't know what was good for them. And that's part of the role of the parents to push them into stuff and not just even when you get an initial pushback to push them through. And then, you know, they come back, you know, a year or two later and say, gee, thanks, mom and dad. You know, I really like, uh, you know, what, what I'm doing now. So, uh, you know, that's weird. Is you, you, They don't even know, you know. Kid would have a hot dog the rest of their life. You know, at five years old, that's all they know, and that's what they like. And <laughs> you want to say, no, there's something called a steak out there. Just be patient, you know, trust me. So, uh, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big experiment that every parent has to, uh, has to deal with. And for that matter, every business person, you know, how do they know what people like? And sometimes, you know, I, I, I kind of like, I think with Steve Jobs, he said, how do they know what they like until we show them? <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> Well, that's, that's interesting. I'm glad that you talked about, you know, taking your children and, and, and pushing them forward into things that they've not experienced before, or maybe that you reinforce what they're doing, because that's got to put some stress on you, not only as a business, but on a, as a family as well. Is there some intertwining of the stress of the business, or is the business a lot more fun than being in the family? I, I'll tell you right now, the business, there's, there is a lot of fun. I mean, there's a reason why they say you play music, you don't work in music, right. although... Anybody understands there's a heck of a lot of work involved. Matter of fact, you know, I told I, I told people you want to be an Olympic champ, it's probably easier work than <laughs> than this. You know, I mean, it, it, it's um, it's the same level of dedication that take. It is hard work, but what people see, you know, there is this, you know, the, the same reason why you say you play a sport. You know that all the hard work goes on beforehand, and when you get on the field, you get to play a sport, and same thing, get to get on stage, you get to play. But there's a heck of a lot of hard work that goes into it. Let me and one thing I this. told you. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Brenda. I'm sorry. Toby, Toby wrestled all the way through elementary school, high school, won the Illinois state championship, and then went to Northwestern on a on a on a wrestling scholarship and wrestled at Northwestern in the Big Ten. Um, he has brought that mentality of wrestling to our family, to our business. And um, it is a, it is a philosophy and a, and a work ethic that is very strong, very, um, (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you know any wrestlers, but they just have a different outlook (laughs) on life and a different way they do things. And so the stress of pushing the kids and the family and the business and all, really was nothing in comparison to the original <laughs> the original <laughs> paradigm of, of wrestling. Uh, yeah, I still say, no matter how hard we work, we're moving gear, setting up, it's hot at, at an at outdoor fair in the middle of summer. I'm like, you know, you think you're in a sauna, and I'm like, this sh- sh- <laughs> this sure beats cutting weight in a sauna and wrestling. I'm like, this is still easier work. You know? um, but there is, a, there is stress, but, you know, it's one of those things, stress, you know, Stress is somewhat how you react 
to a situation. You, know, you can look at the stress that's being put on you, and you can look at the stress that you put on yourself. But um, you just have to grow into the uh, – you, you either take the mindset of I am going to do everything I can to run away from stress and to minimize stress, or I am going to do everything I can to get better and use that stress to make me better and, uh, and you know, the whole family better. And so, you know, there's been times where I've gone to the kids, I'm like, do we just throw, our, throw the towel in and give up? And, and, or do we just figure out ways to get more efficient, to get faster, right. to get better at what we do and get smarter at what we do? And uh, so, you know, it, it's just, you know, of course I have, I've been trained in the crucible of wrestling and life for, you know, and I'm a little bit more hardcore. And uh, it's interesting. I was talking to kids, you know, when, when I get together with all my ex-wrestlers, you know, that's the number one topic we talk about. How hard do we, how hard do we push? And most of the wrestlers don't even get their kids in wrestling because they just, they push so hard themselves that, you know, they're like, man, I don't know if I can, you know, do that to my kids as a, as a, as a father. So it's it's a very interesting question. You know, you talk about um, stress and sort of learning how to adapt and deal with it, and that's that's an interesting point because a lot of people believe that oh, I just don't handle stress well. I believe that handling stress is more of a learned skill. It's something that over time, when you're exposed to it enough, and and you know you can sort of talk to yourself and get yourself through it, you adapt and you're able to handle it better. You guys have had. A, a great life, but you've also had a lot of things go wrong. You know, you, you, you had your house burned down, and I saw an interview with you, Toby, where, you know, you basically said, listen, I've had worse things happen in my life. And I thought to myself, wow, what an amazing sort of response to that, because most people who lost everything would be saying, why me? Why me? You know, how, how did, did you learn how to deal with stress? Is it a learned skill? Do you believe that? Well, you know, and here's where I, I agree with you, and and I and I and I bring up an example, I, just like I talk about wrestling help training, and the reason why you know a lot of people don't realize the ancient Greeks and the Romans, uh, pretty much everybody went to a wrestling school, and their extracurricular activity was their academics, um, and the reason why is they knew wrestling was training for the crucible, so to speak, and uh, and and. Um, you know, so they, they understood that, you know, and so you read somebody like, you know, Plato's Republic, you know, Plato was actually a wrestler and Plato was his nickname actually for his broad shoulders. So, you know, it's something that the ancients understood that we need to force our kids into the crucible to train them. You know, nowadays it seems like everybody says, hey, let's just put them out on the soccer field and teach them to get along and everybody gets a trophy <laughs> at the end of the day, which doesn't set us up for business, a <laughs> real understanding of business very well so you know i always tell the kids life trains you you know you you have to have the right outlook on life and uh, the other thing about stress and hard things happening is you know while wrestling is a big influence you know the other thing is my dad was a minister and i grew up in church and there's an idea of you know religion and faith and you know unfortunately a lot of people don't actually read the bible anymore but just about everybody in the bible you know, even if the good people went through hard times, and that's a big, big theme that goes to the Bible is how do you handle hard times? And um, so, you know, I think religion plays a, a really big role. If you think you're the only one out there, that there is no higher power controlling everything, then then you kind of like, you know, I'm it. Right. But if you say, no, there's somebody else out there and they're guiding my life, 
and uh, and everybody's life in the life of the world, or at least the people. You know, there's certain people that God has said, "Look, you love me. I love you. I take care of you. Don't worry." You know, and it's it's a little bit. You got this safety net behind you that allows you to say, "Okay, I will now face the." face the giant. I mean, that's literally where the, that expression came from, is, is out of the Bible, David fighting Goliath, and he said, hey, it's not, my, it's not my fight, it's God's fight. So I think religion can also, you know, that whole religious and, and philosophy mindset can actually help with business, because now all of a sudden you're going, hey, I'm not alone. Right. That's a great way to look at it. Sounds like you've set the table pretty well with your family, you know, getting getting everyone prepared to do what you do. And in that spirit, when did you decide, what did it take? How many kids did you have ready per se? Did you, you know, what was that piece that, that, that pushed you into ready to say, all right, we're ready to do this. We're ready to be a family of musicians and, and entertainers. When, how did it's you break really it? It's really a funny story. It's, it's a very funny story. <laughs> great. Because Toby wrestled, and, and we had um, our first four kids, three of them were girls. And my son, Jeremiah, at two years old, was not interested in wrestling around with Toby. He would go in mm-hmm. Jessica's drawer, steal her tights, come out and turn on the Nutcracker and imitate Mikhail Baryshnikov doing ballet. <laughs> Imagine how that goes over with a wrestling father. <laughs> so, but put him in a, put very, him in a singlet, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it, it was very interesting because we discovered that Jer had a talent and an interest in something very different than, than what Toby had. And I give mm-hmm. Toby a lot of credit for looking at that and not, you know, the jock dad saying, oh, you're not going to be a wimp. You're going to, you're going to wrestle and you know, you're not going to do that. He looked at that and said, you know, this kid has, has incredible talent at a really young age. And um, so, you know, by five or six years old, we had him in dance classes and then put an instrument in his hand and realized that he was just a child prodigy when it came to, to music. And so then, you know, and Jess got instruments in her hand. And we just started seeing that at a very young age, five, six, seven, eight years old, these kids were brilliant in music. Well, Toby and I loved music. We had talked about music before we ever got married. Didn't mm-hmm. realize that we were going to have kids that were, you know, this talented. And so really just kind of followed their their lead um, and seeing where their talents and their potential was. And by the way, Jer, my oldest son, who is a dancer in tights at two years old, is, is a state champion, so he is tough as nails. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a pretty funny story to see. Uh, and... and you know the the funny thing is my young my two two uh, sons below him Jack and Jedi also wrestle and they're also state champion wrestlers and stuff. What's interesting is some of their competitors were also you know as as they're taking dance lessons their competitors their 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 competitor's father was actually one of the top ballroom dancers in in the world. And so it's funny in their wrestling scenes that's talking about ballroom dance and Irish dance and all this stuff. And people at the wrestling events are looking at them like, what is going on here? And of course, being in Nashville, there's so many musicians. So it, it's just, but I, I do, I'm a firm believer of, you know, again, coming back to training a kid for life, not just for a job so that they not only have an income, but they love their life. And, and part of that is the arts and that full spectrum of, you know, whereas the school may say, hey, that's not important for a job, which is true. But that aspect is very important for a quality of life. And, uh, you know, and that's where we homeschool, we get a chance to, you know, sit down and, and decide what they learn, where we're going to spend our energy, 
And, uh, you know, if my kid wanted to be a, a rocket scientist, you know, we'd be doing a lot of physics and calculus. But, um, you know, at a young age, they came out uh, loving music and dance. Uh, you know, Jessica wrote her first song at age seven. We told her Beethoven and Mozart were doing it. She didn't know any better. So she got started. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that's an, uh, an important thing. Rather than just giving them a, a page to color, you know, you're sitting there showing them, the, you know, Michelangelo and, and Renoir's and, Monet and stuff like that and all of a sudden it's you know sometimes we just think oh kids want bright colors and simple shapes right. and uh you know, our experience has been that kids are are pretty doggone intelligent right from the get-go and we need to expose them to the to the highest art we can not to get not to get too far off track but you know that seems to be one of the problems with the educational system in this country because education seems to be prepping kids to take standardized testing as opposed to listening to them and getting them to experience different things and i think that makes you a well-rounded person not just just prepping for a standardized test so it sounds like you know you guys took that and and you know rolled with it the other thing is, yeah, we definitely, and, and part of it is, is I was homeschooled. My dad's a public school teacher in Chicago, and, um, you know, I mean, he was a minister, yes, but that isn't where he made his money. His money was he worked a regular job as a school teacher, and uh, so he was very much involved in education, and in some ways kind of forward-thinking and, you know, homeschooled us when it was actually illegal and we had to do it in secret. Um, now it's legal, and there's millions of people who do it, and, of course, technology has empowered the 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 flexibility of, of all the stuff that you can do there. But, um, you know, now since my kids are second generation homeschoolers, you know, we can go into it with a confidence and a passion that really, um, you know, we're able to sit there and say, Hey, we're going to break a lot of rules, but you know, innovation is a key in, 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 uh, in business. It's a key in, you know, a lot of areas. And, you know, by and large, most schools are doing things. They were the way things were done, you know, 4,000 years ago. Yeah. Um, we have technology stuff that, you know, I mean, we talk about music stores going out of business or bookstores going out of business. How about schools going out of business? Yeah. You know, that's, I always tell people, the iner- you know, it won't happen because the inertia of people needing babysitting services. But um, <laughs> the fact is that technology-wise, schools are a dinosaur. They really are. And uh, and we need the flexibility, you know, and the technology to raise up a next generation of innovators. And, you know, we looked and said, hey, standardized test and the standardized kit is not our product. We're going for um, creativity, uh, which is really interesting because how do you how do you put creativity on a schedule? Um, but it's more just recognizing that, hey, creativity is like printing money or find, like digging gold. When you find it, you, 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 know, you, you spend your resources to harvest it, you know, develop it and market it. But, um, you know, we told the kids, hey, look, it's not just a matter of here's the test, here's your answers. It's a matter of here's a blank piece of paper, write something, you know, and, and you know, draw something, write something. Um, and you're literally, you know, we use the word printing money. Um, you know, because you're, you're literally creating money and, uh, you know, whether you're growing crops out of the ground or whether you're, you know, I, I anyway, this, this, this lots of, you know, we, we tend to just, at this point, we're so far down the road and we just, we're blowing through every rule in the book on how to do stuff, but kind of in finding different set of rules. And, and like we like to say, uh, you know, a more cool set of rules. Yeah. Well, 
No, and it's, and it's, it's even more than rules. It's, it's a way of life. And you guys have done a lot of different things from the norm, and, and you say you're breaking rules. But there's pro- is there one thing that you have noticed, whether it's the music or whether it's your faith or your drive or, or, or just simply love, what's the most important piece of the puzzle that you see that's helped you get to where you all are today? I, boy, that's that, you know, I mean, look, we can talk about our how we try to work hard. We can talk how sure. we try to work smart. I, you know, those are phrases that we throw around all the time. Work hard, work smart. The other phrase uh, that we like to throw about is, is be nice. Um, that, you know, there is there is the thing of I don't care how good you are. I don't care how hard you work and stuff. But, you know, we do need that element of love to, you know, forgive each other. You got a bunch of eight personalities in the household. Everybody's <laughs> going a million different miles. There still has to be that element of, of, of love that's got, you know, you have to care for people. You have to, you know, it, it isn't just cutthroat business. And, um, and, and then, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, I, again, I want to put credit where credit to do. I, I believe there is a, you know, higher deity that, that does have our back and uh, who gives us gifts and, and so on. And, you know, I, a lot of times you talk business, you talk, you know, hey, how hard we, you know, we try to create a good environment. We try to, uh, you know, have good education. But, you know, there's sometimes where, you know, we've been blessed and we just have to admit that, that uh, um, as good as we are, it doesn't all come from us. Right. You know, that, that makes me wonder um, because I agree with you. And, you know, my own personal beliefs, I know that, you know, especially as, as an entrepreneur, you're all by yourself and you might have people that work underneath you, but it's you. And to just be you in this world is frightening. So I believe like you do that, you know, there is there is a higher power and, and you know, you do get things from God and, and, and you are blessed. And, and I think for me, you know, I, I rely on that because you can't do it all alone. But you're in a business, you're in an industry that is notoriously cutthroat. You know, there are people that will climb over other people just to get to the top. How do you manage in the music industry to stay, you know, in tune with your morals and ethics and still manage to make a living? I'll tell you what, Nashville is an incredible place. You talk about being blessed, talk about, um, you know, God directing where you're going to be and what you're going to do. But Sophie and I talked um, 14 years ago about where we were going to live. We had six kids in a little two flat and uh, in the Chicagoland area. And we knew it was time to get a house and, you know, kind of settle in a little bit. And looked for two years in Chicago and couldn't find a house that we liked. And deals fell through. And it was crazy. And we're like, maybe we're not supposed to be in Chicago. And through a series of conversations and looking at a map, we ended up buying a house in Nashville. Didn't know anybody there. Didn't have any clue what we were getting into, but just felt like it was the right place for us. And that has been confirmed, I think, every day since we've moved there. And the music industry in Nashville is not, it's not the cut New York or L.A. scene at all. It is a wonderful family of people that share our values share our morals and help each other and love each other. And I mean, we've been invited into those people's, (laughs) but, but I mean, by and large, I would say, you know, we, we've got a plane on the grand old Opry probably played over 50 times now, 
and wow. have been invited into, into celebrities' homes and invited to do work with them and, and invited to write songs with them. And they have just been so excited about these young kids that, that love music and want to make it their life. But they have actually infused themselves into us to inspire us and, and encourage us. Stay true to yourself and stay true to what you believe and, you know, don't compromise. It's, it's, Nashville is an amazing place. I think it's awesome. Yeah, you know, the other, Go ahead. The other there is the cutthroat. First of all, the music business is changing. Anybody who's a 30-year venture in the music business, to be honest, mm -hmm. will have to look at you and say, I have no idea what's going on. But, you know, computer does, computer technology does tend to upset the whole fruit basket. And while it, it, while it leaves a lot of people dinosaurs, it also, you know, gives rise to a whole new, you know, generation of companies, ways of doing things. And, and that process is still, you know, that evolution is still under the way big time in the music industry. But, you know, for us, true, you know, if you go for true talent, true hard work, true, you know, being smart. And, you know, we, we said rather than trying to, to give people what they're asking for, we're going to be true to ourselves. And, you know, we think we understand that there are a lot of, uh, you know, middle class family value people out there, you know, whether you call them the silent majority, or whatever, that, um, you know, doesn't buy into the, hey, I drink beer and drive a, a you know, jacked up four-wheel drive pickup truck all the time in country <laughs> music, or, you know, I'm a hip-hop person where I, you know, I, I just listen to a lot of music and I'm like, this doesn't relate to me. But it, it's just, on the other hand, you know, we go back and we'll study, you know, like the old Irish music that's hundreds and hundreds of years old, whether it's classical, whether it's Irish, you know, more of the traditional folk music. You know, hey, I'm not afraid to look at an Armist farmer and say he knows something that I don't know. At the same time that I'm an IT guy and I'm putting together a, uh, you know, fiber channel fan and, and networking everything. I, you know, we, we just we want to have an open mind to what's new and to what's old and realize some of the, you know, some of the wisdom of the ancients is still good. And, uh, you know, so whether it's musically or however we look at life, you know, it, it's just like, build a quality product and uh, and the business side tends to take care of itself. We have to work real hard at it and we may have to innovate and be creative, but you know, you start with a bad product, you're just going to have a hard time building a business, uh, building a business. If you, if you say, Hey, I'm going to have a quality product, then, you know, the business model, even if you, even if you make mistakes, if you got something quality, you get to sit there and say, Hey, you know, I still have something good here and we'll still be able to eventually figure out how to do this business thing. Right. I think talking about the cutthroat, you know, industry, I, I don't think we feel in competition with anybody. And, and that's why I think that hasn't hit us sure. so much. We have a goal of creating a beautiful life for our kids and a, and a quality of life that is something that we would do, whether we were making money at it or not, whether we were on TV or not, whether there were cameras around or not. And it just so happens that it does resonate with people and so cameras are there and we are on tour because people are enjoying it, but we would do it whether, whether it was part of the industry or not. And there's really no one in competition with us. There is no other big family act that's trying to attain the same not, thing we yeah, are. Yeah, not, not at least on the, the same way we're doing it. it. You know, there's kind of the original American capitalist idea of find a niche and, and, you know, meet that need, meet that demand. And, uh, sure. You know, I think a lot of New York and Hollywood cutthroat biz music business people, they're not married. They don't have kids. 
you know, they're, they don't come with the perspective that we have of saying, hey, there's a lot of people who are mom and dad, have kids. They want something different than what L.A. and New York and even now Nashville, since they've been taken over so much by New York and L.A., you know, they've gotten out of touch with the demand. And, um, you know, they, they, they are meeting a certain type of demand. But I, I think we're saying, hey, we're identifying a niche that's been left open. You know, sure. the Osmonds aren't, you know, there anymore, um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So we're able, yeah, the Von Trapps. Um, but there's, there's always been families <laughs> who have tried to do that niche. It's just now we kind of, you know, we, we just kind of say, hey, how do we, how do we take the Von Trapps to a, a new generation kind of a thing? And it's not just this simple little folk singing family anymore. We play electric guitar, drums, you know, classical instruments, uh, you know, folk instruments. And, uh, you know, this isn't your grandma's, uh, you know, airplane or car anymore. This is, this is, you know, a new century. So, you know, it, that's morphed a little bit, but, uh, you know, Hey, you, you, we, we just, we, we just found a niche and we're saying, hey, we're going for it. And and so our business and our family life all kind of merge into one. And rather than seeing them as two separate things, which a lot of business people see, you know, we're saying, hey, we join them. We join them at the hip and we do them together. And so we live as a family together and we work together. And uh, and it makes sense because really our family, you know, when it comes down to it, our family kind of, you know, my kids will inherit, inherit all the you know, the wealth that my wife and I have, there's a natural sense of, you know, we work together because, you know, that's just, I instill my values into them, or at least I try, you know, and then I empower them to go forward. And uh, I love them when, when they were little, hopefully they'll love me when I'm old. And uh, we got, we got a good, you know, I'm not dependent on social security. That's for sure. But no, <laughs> good call. So, so, you know, family and business are a lot more intertwined, you know, than, uh, you know, that's the old fashioned way of doing things before there was government and social security playing this third party. And uh, I'll tell you what, I like my, you know, my, my, my retirement model a heck of a lot more than the, the social security retirement model. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, Family business, you know, intertwined goes way back. It's, a, it's the oldest model there is. You drew a nice dichotomy, actually, there, and I don't know if you'd noticed it, um, in the fact that you talked about how Nashville was more of a community than, say, New York or L.A., and then you also talked about how computers and how much you can do on your own. And so you kind of have a choice between the best of both worlds. You can lean on your friends and family and community in Nashville to move forward in the business through recording studios, engineering, et cetera, or you can do a lot on your own. And even when it comes to publishing, what played into your decision to self-publish? Uh, you know, the funny thing is, is we are forced to, and in, in so many ways, uh -huh. because the industry looked at us and said, we don't, you know, so much of the music industry looked at us and said, we see the talent. We don't actually know what to do with you guys. Um, I mean, oh. you know, somebody would look at it and say it's the proverbial elephant. Somebody touched the trunk and say, oh, I get you guys. And then someone touched the tail and see a different aspect and somebody touched the leg. But, you know, when they start seeing the whole elephant, they're going, wow, that's not, the, you know, the model that we're looking at. <laughs> and they literally said, we don't know what to do with you guys. And um, and so it's like, well, if you guys don't know, we'll figure it out ourselves. And so, Shame on them. you know, it, look. If the industry people were to, you know, and I think they were willing to bite and, and sign us and do things the old fashioned way, 
but my kids would be country artists singing, mm-hmm. you know, with a country drawl, doing, you know, the same old song that, you know, sounded just like everybody else on the radio. And mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, even the fact that, you know, the parents were involved and we were doing this thing, I think even a lot of industry people said, we don't want to break up this beautiful thing that we see. It's just not worth it for us. But, you know, Michael Curb at Curb Records says, I don't want to sign kids. because I, You know, there are a future lawsuit waiting to happen. You know, some of the country people said, but, you know, you guys aren't stereotypical country um, or not even country at all, pretty much. So, you know, they, uh, thankfully, a lot of people, you know, didn't try to force us into being in their image and their model. But, you know, L.A., New York really didn't know what to do with us. Nashville didn't know what to do with us. So it's like, OK, you know, we'll, we'll just build it ourselves. Well, you know, that's that's amazing because so many people, I think, uh, would would just stop. You know, so many people would just give up and say, oh, I can't do this. I'm going to go and look for traditional work and do something else. Yet, you know, you you saw it. I think the way you perceive things as as more of, okay, it's a challenge. Let's get over it. Let's figure it Mm -hmm. out, I think is helpful. How did you guys end up getting onto America's Got Talent? Um. Well, we we did. Uh, somebody had told us about the Today Show having a you know sound of music contest, and they're like, "You guys should enter. You guys should enter." And uh, and you know, of course, people have always laughed and called us the Von Traps, or uh, since we did Irish music, the O Trap. Um, and uh, especially when we had seven kids, and so you know, that's always kind of been a running joke in the family. But on the other hand, pretty serious. And so when when that contest came out. You know, we said, hey, this is an opportunity for us to step forward and maybe, you know, gain a little uh, spotlight on what we're doing and who we are. And indeed, we did. And the funny thing is when we first, you know, sent in our audition and everything and they found out who we are, they were blown away. They're like, you know, we're looking for this cute little singing family and you guys are like serious, serious musicians. (laughs) And, you know, some people are like, wait a minute, you can't even enter this contest. And I'm like, why not? You know? They're looking for a modern Von Trapp family. We're the definition of that. Uh, yeah. Maybe not exactly what they were looking for, but, you know, so that, that, you know, we got on the radar there. And then, of course, America's Got Talent actually for five years had asked us to be on the show 12 different oh, times. Oh, wow. And um, finally we said yes. And it's like, you know what? We, we had a reality show on GAC. It was a small network, and we weren't getting a lot of, you know, they they just not a lot of eyeballs on GAC, so we're like, you know, that's mm-hmm. not working out too well. And, um, you know, the Sound of Music thing said, hey, this is working out. America's Got Talent, I believe, was on the same network. And uh, they actually knew the producers at the, you know, the Today Show and stuff. And so it's like, okay, you know, maybe we'll finally do this. We looked at the contracts, and boy, that was a, a, uh, a rolling of the dice. But it worked out. You know, we got some exposure, and, you know, it was a big gamble. And, um, you know, we got exposure without getting stuck with the long-term contract. So for us, it was, you know, a lot of positive. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, you, look, when one door shuts, we just try to find another door. And, you know, part of the, you know, anybody who diversifies their por- portfolio knows that, you know, some stocks are going to go up while others go down. And so when we train in multiple disciplines and we, you know, diversify, that, uh, you know, we just, we find open doors where other people, you know, when the, when one door shuts, we find others that, that are open. And AGT was one of those open doors for us. So, um, um, yeah, sorry. I hope, 
By the way, we're back traveling no. in the bus. Hopefully, you guys can still hear me. <laughs> Everything sounds great now. Uh, and, and, and tell the kids we're not we're not ignoring them. We just haven't got to them yet. Um, you know, you talk about you know exposure on AGT and, and GAC, GLC when they came along, that's got to be a pretty uh, dangerous and beneficial double-edged sword to balance. How did how did you look at that? How did you guys all decide that that was a good idea? Well, you know, we had discussions about it. And again, we had a show on GAC earlier. So by the time we got to the TLC, you know, it was our, our second go at things. And look, mm-hmm. you know, the Wright brothers claim that they built that flew wasn't their first version, <laughs> you know. And, and yeah. even on our television show, you know, GAC was our first, uh, you know, first plane we tried to get off the ground. And uh, it was not optimal. And even now with TLC, we got the plane off the ground. Things are doing well, but we still sitting there, you know, going, "Hey, we want to take this little biplane and turn it into a jet." And so there's still, you know, room for improvement on that. We actually found a producer that um, had produced other shows on TLC, and mm-hmm. he really wants to stay true to who we are. He's very sensitive to what we believe and how we go about doing things, and he's actually fascinated with it. But he is. He wants to help us stay through that because he thinks there's something there. So it, it happens very organically. There's two camera guys, two sound guys, and two producers in the house. That's it. There, it's not a gigantic crew with, you know, makeup and hair and lights and everything as much. We outnumber the crew. Yeah. So it's, it's very organic. You were talking earlier about it feeling real, and that's, that's a main goal that we have. And since we found a producer that was willing to do that, um, it's really, really made a difference for us. Well, you know, I, I think I think the show Sorry, there's, did there's two producers on. Oh, go ahead, Toby. I'll let you go ahead. You go first. Okay. You know, the thing about the show is that it really does come across as if it's you know, like we're really in your living room, and you know, you you really get to know you, and it's very genuine. And there's a lot of shows on TLC that that have that same feel to it, but. For some reason, you know, you just want to like you and your family because it just does feel so wholesome and real. And, you know, you're not waiting for the skeletons to pop out of the closet. You just feel good about the show, which I think is is really what I, I'm sure you wanted to achieve. Yeah. yeah. First of all, the, there's a lot of people who want to keep it real. We kind of forget that the camera guys are there and what you see is what you get. Um, we're not perfect people. I've even gone to TLC and said, look, if I yell at the kids or somebody does something bad, I don't I don't mind if you show it as long as you show it in the same proportion of what happens in real life. If I if I, you know, blow up one percent of the time and love the kids the other ninety nine percent, just make sure that's the ratio that it's shown on the show right. um, so that it is balanced in real. And on the other hand, don't cut out that one percent and make us look like we're these perfect people that. You know, and everybody also thinks that, you know, we're absolutely flawless. Um, right. We're real people. We just, you know, in many ways, I've, I've stopped caring about, how, you know, I've told the kids, don't worry about being perfect. Just worry about being real. And if you have flaws, just realize that, you know, work through them. And, uh, you know, they're a chance for us to step up, show improvement, show that we're real human beings. And, the flaws are, you know, look, you, nobody has a great story without having to fight some battle, you know, and usually it's, it's a character flaw. And I said, you know, just, you know, heck, Spider-Man, Superman, they all got, 
weaknesses, you know, and we do too. And um, so we want, you know, first of all, we want to try to be good people. We want to try to do things right. And we want to try to produce, you know, this wholesome family thing, uh, you know, that, that seems to work on all levels and yet have this cool hip edge to it. But, uh, you know, it, it's just, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, when bad things happen, we have to realize that, you know, love is, is that secret ingredient that, you know, keeps us together rather than, you know, sending us all in different directions. Sure then. Yeah, the love you talked about earlier, when you talk about the piece of the puzzle that keeps everyone together. The other thing that's kind of kept you guys together, and, and if Jess and Jer are, are nearby, they may want to chime in on, on this a little bit. When we start to talk about the creation of your sound, it's kind of a cross between Gaelic and, and country. You know, what, what do you call it and where did it come from? You know, what were your inspirations as you began to write and create music? Um, I have, this is Jessica here, um, and Good morning. I, first of all, writing is my favorite, um, and I did get started pretty young, um, dad likes to throw that out, I like to throw that out, but I realistically didn't start writing until I was born like 16, um, mm-hmm. uh, and in that interval of time, I learned a lot of old traditional Irish tunes and songs, and, um, at the bulk of what we were playing was like written 300 years ago. Um, and meanwhile, we were listening to a lot of contemporary music. We were in dance. So everything from Foxtrot and the old crooners all the way up to top 40 and everything in between. Um, personally, I can throw out everything from Celine Dion and Enya um, all the way to Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood. Um, I like a lot of bands now. Um, that are that are trying different things. Maybe they're not even the most famous or successful bands, but people that explore really intellectual lyrics or adventurous sounds and things like that. And um, as a band together, we have a lot of different sounds. Actually, we've dabbled in things that sound like they're the Lion King, <laughs> and things that sound like India, <laughs> and things that sound like you know Justin Timberlake. So. It's across the board. Our latest CD, I think, is our most um, original and core sound, no pun intended, because our biggest inspiration was probably the Coors out of Ireland. They were another okay. family band. They had three sisters and a brother. Um, and we've been compared to them a lot, and that is only delightful for us because they are very talented. They had um, a really cool pop sound that also incorporated Irish instruments, which is, again, our strength as well. So when it comes to influences, I can just be talking all day long. It's like, pick a genre and I'll tell you my top ten. Well, you know, you're, you're talking about your latest CD, which is Heaven, and that, that album has so many different flavors to it. You know, you've got like the Heaven remix. So you've got like this pop infused, really cool sound. And then it mixes with some of the other songs that have this country and, and, and Irish. It's really, really well put together, not just from, you know, a production standpoint, but from a, a, a an arrangement standpoint. And it really sounds very cool. And I think that it, it appeals to people who might like you know, just country or just Gaelic or Irish. And it, it really brings everybody in. Yeah. It's a really cool CD and a cool sound. Thank you very much. When, we, when we're when we writing and we go into the arrangement process and stuff, a lot of times we try and um, serve this song because we do have a lot of genres that we like. We do have a lot of 
kind of we can be a chameleon band in some ways because there's so many people that like to do so many different styles so we'll experiment and sometimes the song comes along and we go oh this is obviously a big band song or sometimes <laughs> we go well this could be country irish bluegrass or trance and we don't really know so we give it a shot and we really did um at the beginning of sitting down with Ted and we really did kind of say hey the whole album will have you know this sort of sound but this song, Evan, we did do three different ways. And, you know, this is kind of a not-so-subtle representation and statement of us saying, hey, we do a lot of different stuff. And even if you hear um, what we're doing now, that's not all we do. And we love to blow out all of those genres into their own um, projects eventually. We kind of have, like, 20 albums lined up to go. But for us, as far as material goes, but we do the arrangements, the writing, the studio recording and all the editing in the studio. So it takes us when we're on the road, there's not much time for recording. So there, there's a lot of discussion and questions there of how we're going to do that all. (laughs) Well, that's, um, it sounds like quite a task you guys are taking on. And I'm sure Jess and Jerry, because you're the older of the two, uh, probably take a bit of a more of a lead role in things. Um, but the, the one thing that I want you guys, especially because you are the oldest, is the music business is not like it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or three years ago, 30 years ago, as your dad had mentioned earlier. And, you know, music is so free today. And touring, as you well know, is a big part of making a living today. What do you see yourself in 30 years doing? I mean, nothing's going, to, nothing's going backwards. So in 30 years, do you see continuing to do this and making a career out of it? Yeah, um, I think that, like I said, there's a lot of people involved, and even watching the little kids come up, I mean, Jager is five, he should have been Mm -hmm. there yesterday, he literally auditioned in front of the rest of the family with tears in his eyes because he was mad, he didn't want to leave the new lead guitar part to go to the nine-year-old, he wanted it, (laughs) and he stood up in front of everybody and did it, so trust me, as far as like the band going on, the band will go on, there's a lot of members that are really itching to get in the front line, and it's so great, (laughs) I was totally crying because I'm emotional like that, Um, I hopefully, I know I'll be writing um, till the day I die, and um, I think for our personal business that we're running, it's very unique because Dad kind of jokes we have a perpetual band because there are so many, <laughs> right. you know, like. Well, your mom, your mom, your mom have a say in that. Yeah, and so, like, <laughs> I, mean, I know I would like to have a lot of kids, and I, although I like performing, my favorite, and, and touring, and I love to travel, and I see performing as the best way for me to travel and get a lot of experience and do a lot of really cool things. For me, I'd be perfectly happy um just writing and uh i'm also you know have done a lot in the studio so i see myself transitioning to a lot of that stuff i'd be perfectly happy working behind the scenes um and you know eventually seeing myself going that way and that could be really soon that could be still way down the road who knows um you know there's you know in the arts and the music business there are opportunities every day there are 10 phone calls. You want to book this gig? You want to work with this person? You want to do this? And the way that things can move so drastically, so fast, makes it so hard to plan and so hard to know. And yet, what makes it really confusing is because of booking, you kind of know what you're going to be doing on a specific mm-hmm. day two years from now because of what you've been booked for. So it's really weird. Um, and like you're saying, things change so fast. And I do think 
as my dad was mentioning, you know, I can I sit and write on the bus on my iPad, and sometimes that stuff doesn't sound so bad, you know. Like, and it, it's going to be strange to see what you can produce as you're traveling, as you're moving, and there's hundreds of thousands of people out there right now um, exploring new technologies and exploring new ways of making music. Sure. So I know we're always going to be doing some of that, um, and even exploring uh-huh. other things that we like outside of music. Uh, Jeremiah, do you pretty much uh, echo those sentiments with a big ditto, or <laughs> you're pretty quiet today, man? Hey, it's Jer. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> it's actually really, really hard to hear in the bus while it's moving. Oh, is it? Okay. Close to the conversation, but even just standing two feet away. So I didn't hear what the question was. Oh, that's okay. What do you see yourself doing in 30 years? Are you going to stay, stick it out in music? Uh, because it's, it's, it's always changing. What, what do you feel in your heart and your mind? I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead yet. I'm stuck <laughs> on like about 10 years right now. <laughs> I love Nothing wrong with music, and you know what? God's given me a lot of talent, um, and so who am I to waste that? So I'm going to be playing music as long as it is physically possible. <laughs> well, that's Short a good sweet. Yeah, it's a good thing though. I mean, you guys have really I, I have I love music. I love all types of music and there's something about you guys as a family, as a group of musicians. It's just really amazing to listen to you, to see you, to see you interact and the values and the way that you handle things. I think that um, you know, you guys could write, you know, just a parenting book uh to to teach other families how exactly. you know i mean i could see that in your future for sure because what you've done with your kids is amazing and then you know you guys the kids you know you're amazing too because i've seen you on the show helping your younger siblings come up too there's no jealousy there's no you know frustration with them it's teaching them and helping them and uh, you know do you guys like that role as mentors for the younger kids Wait, wait, wait. Who said there's no job? <laughs> or, uh, where, where did that come from? That's so, Toby, they must have cut that part out of the show, huh? Hey, look, we are real people. We are not perfect. We make mistakes. And we and what I think differentiates us from other people is that we stick together as a family no matter how hard it is. And what you were saying about being mentors, I mean, like, I just brought up that situation from yesterday, and it's so, to look, as as long as us, as the older kids that are being successful and everything, as long as we can keep in focus and remember ourselves at four and five and six and seven, um, there were so many people that inspired us. Professional, we got, we got into the Irish music, and that, Irish and country and bluegrass music, roots music, is different than pop music. It's something that's passed generation to generation. It has this history and this culture that is so beautiful. And I'm really, really thankful that that's what we got started in. Because pop music, classical music, a lot of times it doesn't have this, that same appeal. The dance and the characters and all this stuff is, is married together. And we had the most famous Irish musicians in the world that actually had some experiences where they sat down and they encouraged us to play when we could only play the equivalent of Ariadna Little Lamb, you know what I mean? And right. just being mm-hmm. so 
in, inspirational to us. And so, you know, there's, there's that. And so when we're looking at our little kids, what's crazy is how we play a lot of that role for them. Yes, they actually know top of the line Irish musicians and stuff now, and they meet amazing legends at the Opry. And I swear, mm-hmm. everyone is Jager's friend. Even in America's Got Talent, all these people <laughs> walking around. We were, we were Jager's siblings. Like, that's how we were known. He walks in and he's like, hey, we're like, who is that? He's like, oh, that's my friend the sound guy, you know, and it's like, I don't even know that man. That's a good guy um, to be a friend with, let me tell you. Absolutely. You definitely want to be your friend. Um, so there definitely is, so the kids help you stay grounded, help you stay inspired, um, because when you can turn around and inspire somebody else, that's a really cool stage that we're getting to in our music um, that's, that's changing a lot. And that kind of falls in with what I was going to ask you, actually, was, you know, offer up some advice. Not everyone's going to make it. Not everyone's going to be a Willis Clan. Not everyone's going to be a Justin Timberlake. Not everyone's going to be famous in music. But the important thing about music is making the music. And, and so with that in mind, what, what kind of advice do you guys have from being, you know, you're really quite at that one of those plateaus right now that you're going to continue to climb the mountain. But what kind of advice do you have for people that wanted to climb that mountain as well? Honestly, when it comes to this, I think music enriches anyone's life. So I will always encourage someone to pursue skill and also see what they want to add to the body of music. I think learning a skill and learning already existing material is cool and important and also adding and finding ways to express your own self. That's great. Everyone, I think, should get the chance to do that and should try and pursue that. When it comes to it being a business, there's a whole other set of things you have to worry about. I think a lot of times there's you have to have something unique. There's 100 people out there that can sing better than you, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's 100 people out there that can play guitar better than you. And the skill, yes, should always be pursued and can always be better. But you have to look at the package. What's different about you? You have to be yourself. You can't. You know, there's, you're going to have to work with other people. You're going to have to get a band around you, whether it's your family or whether it's studio musicians or whether it's producers. And you're going to have to figure out what you want to say and what you want to do. Because if you just go in saying, I want to be famous or I want to make a career in music, that's really, you're not really going to have the roots and the anchors that you need to get through a lot of the hard work that it takes to make it your career. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that's great advice. Makes perfect sense. Uh, I may employ some of those tactics. (laughs) This this is Jared. The one piece of advice I always give people um, when they want to do music, they say, look it up on YouTube. If you want to learn how to play something, look it up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. That's where I learned how to play most of my instruments. You people literally, with YouTube and internet now, people literally have the resources that they need at their fingertips to learn practically anything that they want. It's absolutely true. And I think that a lot of people, I think, overlook that. But you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so much that you can learn online for free. And it's amazing that um, that, that's where you've learned a lot of your instruments. It's, It's really, you know, it's a cool, cool thing that we have now and as your younger siblings grow up in in this world with technology i mean things are going to be even more advanced when they're growing up so you know who knows where where the music industry is really going to go yeah you know i want to um 
I want to give you guys a chance just to talk a little bit about where you're going. You guys are in the middle of a tour. What are you guys on the way to uh, to the Massachusetts tour uh, tour date, right? Yeah, we've been, yeah, we're out for about, I don't know, 60 days right now, so we're out yeah, on the road a lot. Basically till uh, middle of September, so this is actually our longest stint, um, our longest tour. We just did a, a tour for one month in Ireland, um, which was amazing, and it was long, and this is double that. So. Yeah, and before that, we were all the way out on the West Coast, got to see Yosemite, the Grand Canyon, all the way, went all the way up to Oregon, California, Texas, so... Uh, well, you guys have your tour schedule online for, for people that want to go and see you. I mean, you're going to be everywhere. You're going to be in yep. Pennsylvania, New York, Ohio. Um, so just you're out there everywhere. And, you know, all you guys have to do if you're interested in seeing the Willis clan, check out their website. Um, all your music is available there. It's It's also available on iTunes. So there's a plenty of opportunity for people out there who want to experience you live or your music to be able to just go to your website and, and you know, to find out more about you. So it's a really great resource. And, you know, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time. It's not easy driving a tour bus and, and you know, trying to find out where you're going and, and talk to people at the same time. And I want to I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to uh, to talk about well, so hey, many different things. We just want to thank you guys um, to uh, take time talking to us and uh, help helping us tell part of our story. You know, I just want to mention we had a lot of questions come in during the show, as we sometimes do. And we unfortunately were not able to get to them. So I don't know if you guys would be up for it, but maybe we could have you back on sometime after your tour ends and we can get through some of the questions that uh, that our listeners have for you. Yeah, sure. That would be great. That'd be awesome. Perfect. Well, I want to wish you guys continued success. I hope the tour goes great. Uh, I'm a fan personally, and I think that uh, more people, you know, who are experienced to your sound and your unique, um, you know, music, I, I think they're going to fall in love with you. I, I think it's it's wonderful, and I want to thank you for all that you've given to to fans of music because it's a unique sound, one that I can't find elsewhere and i know that you know you were talking about maybe being compared to the course but you're completely unique and it's a great sound you guys are doing an awesome job and i want to thank you thank you so much thank you all right so we'll we'll be in touch we'll talk to you soon and and we'll have you back on to get through some of these questions good luck guys and thanks again sounds great thank you so much all right bye-bye so bob uh you know great advice great interview they had a lot of information it's it's amazing the um the a the talent level that's there but also you know and you hit on it earlier on they're they're they're, they seem fairly grounded they seem like they are i I don't want to say besting but they figured out a lot of what is not perfect with family life today in america and they've made some adjustments and to make their own imprint on their children's lives, which is huge. Not enough people do that. Today. There's so many people that don't take an interest in making sure their kids are getting what they need. Not only, I mean, food, roof, you know, et cetera, but in life to make them better people and shape them into people that are going to be productive down the line. And it seems like they've got it 
kind of figure it out. And that, you know, and, and, and the music seems like it's a reward for them. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't joking when I said they should write a, a parenting right. guide because really, I agree. I agree. You know, I would read it. Right. Me too. <laughs> and I don't like it. But I hate it. <laughs> I'm telling you, I try to get my three boys together just to go to the supermarket or something. And it's, you know, it's World War Three to get everybody out of the house. How these guys have done it, it's um, it's unbelievable. But, you know, I think a lot has to do with their their faith. I think a lot has to do with some of the skills that you do learn as an athlete. It doesn't have to be wrestling. Just as as an athlete, you have discipline and and drive and determination. I think that that probably helps them. Mm-hmm. But what a great what a great family. No, absolutely sounds like, uh, and I, and I, you know, I don't have cable television, so I don't get to watch it, but I can obviously catch them online. And I think I'm going to check them out because just I'm, I'm interested in seeing how they handle some of the situations in uh, in life with their kids and, and what they deal with on the road. And I'm not, uh, my kids work a little bit in, I'll call it showbiz if you want. You know, they do some voiceover work for apps and they do some voiceover work for, for video games and, and commercials and stuff like that. And it's a situation where they come out and they see me in the studio and they, they want to try some different things. So it's a, it's a lot about what they want to do. But in the same token, as we get into larger projects, and we had a situation yesterday where the kids were singing or one of the children were singing a, uh, a nursery rhyme, but they weren't singing it in the particular fashion that they're used to. It's a lot of work. And so I have to kind of drive the bus and it's difficult not to get on them so hard like they would a normal person and motivate them to find where they need to go. And that's what I want to learn is how to be a better coach for my kids Yeah, and, and, and not be, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a disciplinarian. I'll admit it. I'm a, I'm a tough cookie when it comes to my kids. And I've been rewarded for my kids are always complimented about how they, how they behave. And they always do a great job. But I can always get better at it. And I'm always looking to get better at it because I don't think I always present things the right way. And I may, you know, in watching their show, maybe I can learn something. And if they, if they did write a book, I might learn something as well um, about maybe how they, I can do things differently and better. And, that, and that's what I'm very interested in with them. Yeah, you know, you, know, you talk about coaching your kids you know i i was a coach from like a a sports coach a coach soccer and baseball with my kids and there was this level in me where you know i I don't know that i was necessarily being overly competitive but i knew that they could do better and so you know sometimes i i would push and it wasn't just wasn't working you know it felt overbearing and they weren't responding so yeah i mean that's something there's got to be a balance and and the willis family they have to be doing something right in order to get their kids to be motivated but yet not hate what they're doing so there is there's got to be exactly yeah there's secret sauce somewhere (laughs) (laughs) no and you're you're absolutely right and and it's you know and i'm always i'm one of the i'm a pessimist i'm a skeptic i'm always looking to see what are you up to you know and 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 that's the one thing i'm curious about is you know what are some of the things maybe they've done wrong and i should have asked you know that they learned from maybe they were doing things one way and they, they realized it wasn't working and they changed how they did it to to either get their child motivated or to keep them on the right path or or whatever it was but you know because everyone learns from their mistakes everybody makes them if you're not making mistakes you're not doing anything yeah yeah. And, you know, it just seems like they've got this outlook about life, which I, I oh, if we all had it, you know, I think we'd be so much better off where they can just because, look, stuff happens, you know, bad things happen. And and so much has happened. I mean, Toby's been through a lot in his life. There's been a lot of tragedy, yet 
they're happy and upbeat and they're thankful for for the gifts that they have. And I think that that probably has a lot to do with their success, because when you feel happy and, you know, you want to be nice and you want to give love and share, I think you you reap rewards that other people don't. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's it's, and that's where, you know, a bit of optimism works out. Yeah, that's coming from me, the pessimist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's hard, but, you know, someday I'll figure that out. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think these I was really, really, um, you know, thankful that we were able to speak with them today and and learned a lot about them. What you see is what you get. They're they're really they seem to be good people. I don't know them personally, but they're the kind of people that you'd want to hang out with. And that, you know, that's right. That's not something that everybody has. It's not a quality that everybody has. So, um, Lord knows nobody wants to hang out with me. <laughs> Even your kids don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> Make them work. Yeah. I don't want to paint anymore. You know, they, they've, um, the Willis Clan, they have a really good website. It's thewillisclan.com. And, uh, you know, I was talking about their event schedule coming up. So they're on their way to the Barnstable County Fair in East Falmouth, Massachusetts, which is a beautiful place, by the way. And um, then the rest of their, their, their tour dates, they're available. They're going to be in Troy, Pennsylvania, New Paltz, New York, Bedford Heights, Ohio. And the list goes on and on. They're going to end up in Rocky Mount, Virginia on September 27th at the Harvester Performance Center. So they have a very, very busy summer and a lot of driving. So, uh, you know, I but, I, did I see on their schedule they're actually in Michigan today? Uh, no, it looks like they're, oh. they left Illinois. They had a, a, a tour date uh, July 23rd at the county fair in Wheaton, Illinois, and now they're driving to, uh, to Massachusetts. I don't see Michigan on here. We're going to have to talk to them about that. Oh, I see Hart- Hartford. Are you on the WillisClan.com? I am. Yeah, Van Buren Youth Fair, Hartford, Michigan, July twenty second. Oh, right you know, you're right. They they that's I missed you that one okay, because it's fast too. I want to make sure we had to write the same story. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Hartford, Michigan. So they're you missed three that. hours. They're about three hours from me, unfortunately, but I would definitely go see them just yeah. to say hi. And you know, the, maybe get, get a little more uh, insights. Yeah, the music is really amazing. I I, I yeah. love, like I said, I love all kinds of music. You know, I love um, Gaelic-inspired stuff. I like Enya. But their music is so cool because it's pop-infused, yet there's also some traditional country, and then there's a little bit of electronic every once in a while. It's really, really cool. I hear some bluegrass in there, yeah. 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 I, mean, I love bluegrass. The musicianship for bluegrass to me is just amazing. So that's the thing I like. And I saw them playing, and I was like, wow, these guys just... It's, it's, it's mind-boggling to know, to really know how you get... Uh, that many children to give a crap about one thing. Yeah. You know, and it's so uh, funny because and you, and well. they're all talented. <laughs> they're like, they're like, they're yeah. super talented. They're all super good looking, super talented. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't born in Stepford or anything. I hope. <laughs> just all right. You know, just, they are, they you know, you, you can say a lot of people like to throw out the word perfect, but that's not, I don't like using that word um, because it's an end result, but they are a great example mm-hmm. yeah. of what you'd like to develop. I mean, not only as a family, but as, as, as individuals and, and obviously being in the music business uh, artists. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as, as you know. a, 
business person, as a business owner, I think you can extract so much from what they talked about today. Oh, Even sure. if you're not in the in the business of music, I think the lessons that they they talked about today, the things, their experiences, you can extract that and apply that to your life as a business owner, an entrepreneur, you know, a manager, mm-hmm. whatever you might be doing. And um, there's a lot of, of, of hidden gems that you can pull out. And so I, I think that this interview today is helpful, not just for people that are interested in breaking into the music business, but for everybody, parents, kids, and business people. So it was a, a well-rounded show, and I'm, I'm very happy with the way that it, it turned out. Oh, and, likewise. Yeah, they, they, did a, they did a great job and, and really do appreciate the time, and they spent more time than uh, we had had asked them to spend and and that just you know speaks to what kind of people they are and uh, so really really thankful for for them Bob that's gonna do it for yeah. today this being oh, great, great yeah time. our Appreciate second uh, episode of on a different note and hopefully you guys out there uh, are li- are liking it um, you know, our first show with with Nate Maingard uh, was very very well received and now uh, this show with the Willis clan, you know, even even more information than I had hoped to get out of them. And so, you know, hopefully you guys out there like this format and what we're doing here. I want to thank you all for tuning in, for you know, downloading it, for watching live, for subscribing. Don't forget to subscribe to all of our channels. You know, you can go to utlradio.com and there's links to everything there. You can you can stream the show live. You can subscribe through iTunes. You could subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, but definitely go to utlradio.com, check it out. You can see upcoming events, giveaways, contests that we have, things that that we're, we're working on. So, um, you know, I encourage you to go there and then give us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you learned from the Willis clan. And um, now thank you to all of you who have called in. I know there were a number of you that were waiting on hold and a lot of, of questions coming in through the chat room. Um, thank you. I'm sorry that we didn't get to you, but uh, you know we asked them if they'd be willing to come back. They said yes, and so we'll have them back on, and we'll get through your questions. That's going to do it. I think what we'll do is we're going to um, play maybe their uh, their remix of Heaven, which is an awesome song, and we'll, we'll let that play us out.
iPhone 10R is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect New Year, New You portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone 10R on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-Mobile to learn more or visit a store today. 